How can beta blockers prevent the development or recall of painful memories? And can these medications actually eliminate memories? Are there ethical concerns about manipulating the imprint of memories? You're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining us today to discuss Can Beta Blockers Erase the Past is Dr. James McGaw, fellow and founding director of the Center for the Neurobiology of Learning and Memory and research professor and founding chair of the Department of Neurobiology and Behavior at the University of California at Irvine. Welcome, Jim. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. I think this is a fascinating subject. Can you give us about a, one minute about yourself and how you got involved in this? Well, I got involved with it because I've been working on or studying the effects of drugs on learning and memory for many decades. And a number of years ago, came up with the idea with colleagues that maybe what we were finding with drugs is something that the nervous system does to itself. That is, there might be endogenous factors which regulate memory, and so we began to look at those. Okay. And tell us what we know today about beta blockers acting to influence memory. Well, we know a great deal. We know from both animal and human studies that if we administer beta blockers, either before animals learn or shortly after they learn, that it will impair their ability to remember at a later time. And the interpretation of this, which is widely accepted and I think is correct, is that the beta blockers interfere with the formation or the consolidation of new memories. Now, new memories take time to form on a permanent basis. And so the beta blockers given after learning can prevent that for this formation. We've also learned that if we give agonists of adrenoceptors, that is, drugs that act to turn on adrenoreceptors, that we can enhance memory. And that's been done with adrenaline, and it's been done with drugs that, other than adrenaline that will activate these adrenoceptors. Okay, now remember you're talking to a dermatologist, so when you're saying beta blockers, are you talking specifically about... Well, there are many beta blockers. Propranolol is but one of those. It's a useful drug for us for research purposes because it readily passes the blood-brain barrier, whereas some of the other beta blockers do not. Okay, so can you tell us specifically about what happens in the brain and how these beta blockers affect our memories? I mean, what's really going on there? In other words, I have a painful memory. What's going on in my brain now? That's a different question from what, how that painful memory was formed. That's what we focus on in the first instance is, is how it's formed. So you are fired, and it comes as a great shock to you. All of a sudden, you've, you've lost everything, and you remember exactly the words that were said and where you were when that happened. Why do you remember? Well, when you got that news, adrenaline was released from the adrenal gland, cortisol was released from the uh, outer bark of the adrenal gland, and these affected the brain. The adrenaline affected it by acting on beta adrenoceptors that are located in the periphery on the vagus nerve. So the adrenaline activates the vagus nerve and it goes up into the brain and it causes the release of norepinephrine or noradrenaline within the brain. Now, the key region of the brain that is important for this is the amygdala. And within the amygdala, a subregion called the basal lateral, that's the anatomical locus of it, the lower and off to the side, basal lateral nucleus of the amygdala. And that's where the release of norepinephrine or noradrenaline, I'm going to call it norepinephrine, 
that's where the release of that is absolutely critical because if a beta blocker is selectively infused into that region, it prevents the influence of emotional arousal on memory. Or put it another way, let's suppose that uh, you had a beta blocker in your body and it was affecting the basolateral nucleus of the amygdala at the time that you learned that you were fired, then there would not be a strong memory of that experience. It blocks the formation of strong memories. And for instance, the memory that I had of John Kennedy being shot, I know exactly where I was at the time in art class in high school. I know what I was doing. And that's just because it was emotional at that time, or does that memory have to be relived over and over again? It's a one-time deal. And I say that with assurance, although I have to back up. The inference on which I base that is from animal studies in which we give them a single experience, and then we test their memory at a later time, and we don't presume that they're sitting around in the cages reminiscing about that experience. <laughs> Humans may, may do that, but we don't think that it's critical to the effect that is observed. So, Jim, why is the amygdala so important? I seem to remember that from neurology when I was in medical school. I remember where it was. Well, the amygdala is important for two reasons. One, it's turned on by any kind of emotional arousal, positive or negative, and it is richly connected with almost every other brain region. It is connected with more other brain regions than any other brain region is. So it's beautifully suited sitting there uh, such that when it is turned on by emotional arousal, it can communicate to any place in the brain where memories are in the process of being stored and say to those regions through its activation, effectively, make a stronger memory of what it was that happened, independently of what it was that happened. So that's why it is such an important structure, because it is agnostic with respect to the information that occurred, and it's only turned on by the arousal, and by virtue of that, can strengthen the formation of new memories. So in other words, when I walked into the room and saw my wife for the first time, and thought she was the most beautiful thing I ever saw, and fell in love instantly... I remember that moment because it was good. It wasn't that somebody was being assassinated. No, and you would remember if you won a prize, an award. I'm sure that every Nobel Prize winner remembers exactly where they were and what they were doing when they got the telephone call. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing. You see, when we think about emotional arousal and memory, we immediately think about horrific things, warfare and injuries and accidents and so on. But this system in the brain is designed to take account of all kinds of things that excite us. After all, falling in love helps to ensure the perpetuation of the species, so that's good. And having a strong memory for anything is a good idea because memories are about the future. Memories are not about the past. They're about the future. Because by virtue of having a memory, we can guide our future behavior more appropriately and more effectively. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining me to discuss Can Beta Blockers Erase the Past is Dr. James McGaw, fellow and founding director of the Center for Neurobiology of Learning and Memory and research professor and founding chair of the Department of Neurobiology and Behavior at the University of California, Irvine. Okay, let's skip on to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. How, how are these medications useful? Well, first question would be, are they useful? And then how are they useful? The studies of humans are based on the animal experiments showing that beta blockers will prevent the formation of lasting memory if the beta blockers are in the system at or shortly after the time of learning, based on animal studies. So a psychiatrist at Harvard University, Roger Pittman, 
said, I think this has implications for the development of PTSD. After all, people are highly aroused by an emotional experience. They get a massive release of catecholamines, that is, of, of epinephrine, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and maybe that's what acts to create a strong post-traumatic stress disorder. So what he did was to have a nurse at Boston Hospital get subjects who had just been traumatized. One of them fell into the big ditch when it was being dug. Other people were in accidents, all kinds of emotional, severe emotional experiences resulting in injury, and had them sign consent forms and put some of them on beta blockers immediately on arrival at the hospital and others put on a placebo. And he kept them on for 10 days. Then he looked at their signs of post-traumatic disorder, uh, using electrophysiological measures for that, two months later, and found that there was a significant decrease in the PTSD signs in the subjects that had been given a beta blocker shortly after they'd had the traumatic experience. So that was the beginning of the thinking about the use of beta blockers for the prevention of post-traumatic stress disorder. Are using these beta blockers, this is not a way or is it a way for patients to simply remove or eliminate unwanted or unpleasant memories that aren't related to PTSD, is it? We're not doing brave new world stuff here, are we? Well, we may be. It depends upon the outcomes of studies that are in progress at the present time. The next study that Roger Pittman did was to take subjects who had long-standing post-traumatic stress disorder and have them remember the event or remember the things that caused them to have the emotional response. And then immediately after that, he gave them a beta blocker to see if the beta blocker would reduce the powerful effect of a well-established post-traumatic disorder. And he published a paper recently suggesting that this may well be the case, although there's a problem with that study, and that is that it didn't include a control group, which was just given the drug without the reactivation, because the, the critical thing would appear to be the reactivation of the memory so that the beta blocker can act on it. So the, the jury is out with respect to the effect of the treatment. So what do the ethicists say about this work, about the the idea of creating a feel-good pill, and maybe we should have some of our memories to learn from? Well, some of them go crazy over this because they say, you know, we need to have our anxieties in order to be who we are. I mean, after all, that's the basic nature of the soul is the argument of the President's Commission on Bioethics. That is the former President's Commission on Bioethics. And they went ballistic over this, saying that you should not tamper with Mother Nature and people need to suffer. And my response to that, and Roger Pittman's, Dr. Roger Pittman's response to that, is something along the following. Okay, a soldier Marine in a foreign country gets his leg blown off. And so the medics rush up, and they uh, treat the wound as, as best they can. They ship him off to Germany for further treatment, and then they send him to Washington, D.C. to fit him with prosthetics, and they do everything they can to make the person physically sound after this hor- horrific injury. And the person says, oh, by the way, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. What are we supposed to say, suck up your guts? You know, you need to have that because that makes you you. I don't think so. I think that you need to treat an emotional disorder with the same urgency that you would need to treat some kind of a physical disorder. So that's my take on it. But the take of some bioethicists is that you should not tamper with Mother Nature. And the broader argument there is that you should never do anything for a disorder of anxiety. That's the downline implication of of that particular viewpoint. Let me play devil's advocate here for a second then. Let's let's take a rape victim who... You want to erase part of that memory or at least dampen part of the memory. 
do you think that that's going to affect her ability later on or her testimony in court? Do you know, are lawyers going to get hold of this and say, well, she, she was affected by this drug, so we really can't trust her? Well, that, that's a potential problem, but we encountered that when at one time we were going to do some studies of memories of rape victims and do some studies perhaps along the lines of Dr. Roger Pittman. So we dealt with the district attorney in the area where we're going to do this, and he said, don't you worry about that. We never convict on the basis of eyewitness testimony. We, we convict on the basis of forensic evidence. That's not a strong argument because the uh, eyewitness testimony is the weakest testimony they believe, uh, the district attorney believed, and the cases anyway. They need forensic evidence for those. So I don't think that's important. I think the bioethicists would take a weaker position on that and say, yes, that may be true, but, but you know, we really need to benefit from the horrific experiences that we have because they shape our future lives. And so you should not tamper with that. that that's the position that they take. Right. I'm sure the bioethicists are worried about the day when the feel-good pill gets produced by the pharmaceutical company that really isn't looking at using this in an ethical way, just something to sell to people because we all want to feel good. Well, but you see, we already have those. That's an argument that has long passed in its influence. I mean, we have alcohol, we have marijuana, we have, believe it or not, amphetamine is, is still around. We have benzodiazepines, which are the most widely prescribed drugs, I think, in the world. And all of these are feel-good drugs that are already with us. And I don't, I don't hear a great hue and cry about the use of these drugs to make people feel better. The hue and cry is about the downstream consequences of abuse of, of these drugs. Or erasing memories. Alcohol doesn't erase memories. Well, who knows? Well, if you have enough, yes. Yeah, uh, if you have enough, it might. I think the big question here, whether they're good ba memories or bad memories, here's the ethical issue, I think, of importance. And that is, is it a good idea to have the capacity to selectively delete specific memories. You know, never mind post-traumatic stress disorder for the moment. Just think of it, you have a, a terrible relationship with a colleague or a mother-in-law or who knows what, and you say, I just want to delete that person from my memory bank. Is that a good idea to be able to have this ability for selective deletion? I think that's where the bioethics should be putting their, their thoughts, because that's a tough one. Well, I'd be in line to buy that pill. I've got a few people I'd like to eliminate from my life and memories, but I think what you're doing is awesome. And I, I think that post-traumatic stress disorder is, is a horrible disease that because of the war we've been in, we've affected more and more soldiers, and we really need to do something for them. I would like to thank Dr. James McGaw. We've been speaking about how beta blockers can and may be used in the future to dull or prevent painful memories. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable for ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can find this show and all of our other shows on our on-demand section. And thank you for listening. 